God holds on to ultimate power. Satan will never do anything that God is surprised by. He cannot fool our great God. All power is in the hands of our sovereign God. And we're safe in Him. We're under the shadow of the Almighty. Welcome to Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Crawford Loretz. So what do you know about the mission of Satan? Well, it's important to understand that if you're a follower of Jesus, Satan is out to get you. He wants to see that you're not effective in living a Christ-filled life. But as Crawford just said, he is not all-powerful and must yield to the sovereign power of Almighty God. We're in a new series called Unmasking Satan. And in a moment, the second part of Crawford's message, Understanding Our Enemy. Now, maybe it's been a while since you've heard a message or a series of messages on Satan. Well, this would be a good time to join us for this study. It's so important to be aware of the enemy's intentions for you and me. Our primary text will be Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. At the close of our time together, I'll have information on how you can download this series for free. Let's jump right in. Here's Crawford Loretz on Living a Legacy. Satan has a master plan. If you turn back over to Isaiah chapter 14, it's the same motif here. What is shared in this text is that uh, I, God, in a double entendre way, is really describing the heart and the motivation of Satan. Ezekiel chapter 28 tells us who he was and what his state was and the fact that he sinned and he was booted out of heaven. We come to Isaiah chapter 28 beginning at verse 12 through verse 15 and we discover really what his mission and strategy is. There's no secret. Let me just read these verses. How are you fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn? How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, and then there's this delineation of five determinative statements, five I wills. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven and above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. My take is that this last I will is a summation of all the others. It's a summary statement of what he wants to do. Now, I want you to hear me on this, church. I want you to hear me. This is important. There's no secret what Satan wants to do. His mission, his strategy, his objective is right here, plain on the page. The devil's primary mission is not just to get us to screw up. His primary mission is not just to get our families to unravel. That's part of his tactics, but that's not his ultimate objective. Satan's ultimate objective is to replace God. His ultimate objective is to superimpose his kingdom, his values, who he is, on the world. And it all goes back to the reason why he was booted out. Now, that's who he was. Plain and simple. He's in the presence of God. Beautiful. Wise. Safe to say. Top of all the angels. Pride was found in his heart. He said to God, I'm going to replace you. That's who he was. Now, what has he become? 
I struggle with doing this because this is very listy here. But frankly, I don't know of a better way of doing it. I started to summarize these lists, but I'm going to give you the list. I believe that there are about 16 primary names of the devil in the Bible or Satan in the Bible. These 16 names, descriptive names of him, outline basically what he has become. To be more granular, the first seven of these 16 names tells us that Satan is, is the source and the personification of evil. And nine of these names tell us that Satan is the aggressive opponent of righteousness. So from a transactional perspective in terms of what, what he has become, he has become the personification of evil. What has he become? He's become the aggressive opponent of righteousness. And these names declare him that. So buckle your seatbelt. Let me give you the first seven names, the, the source and the personification of evil. They all relate to these seven names, okay? Here they are. First of all, he is called the ruler of this world. Jesus calls him that in John 16 and 11, that he's the ruler of the world. Now, it means that he's the, he's the prince of the world system. You have to understand that. This world system is under the control of Satan. And so many of us are naive, and once you, once you understand that, you can understand. And I'm not saying that, 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 that the Lord is not, he's building his kingdom, he's building his church, and he's battling this kind of thing. But this world system is under the control of Satan. There are kingdoms in conflict, okay? The kingdom of God is fighting the kingdom of darkness, and the kingdom of darkness is in control of this world's system. That's the reason why you have evil and you have all hell breaking loose and you got all these other things that are taking place, because he's in control of this world's system. Second name is that he's called the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians 2.2, meaning, that his demonic forces surround the world. There are thousands, if millions, of demons. And by the way, those of us who say, well, the devil came after me, technically speaking, probably not. I mean, I ain't big enough for him to come after me. He probably sent one of the other little flunkies to deal with me. But there are demons all around us. And I don't mean to sound, I don't mean to sound over the top or expansive or, or whatever extreme here. But these demons are everywhere. They're everywhere. They're in here today, right now. They're in boardrooms. They're in meeting rooms. They're in offices in this church. They're in Congress. They're in the Senate. They're in the White House. And they're everywhere. I'm not talking about an administration here, but they're, they're everywhere. We're not cordoned off from the influence and the presence of demonic activity. It's all around us. And he's the prince of the power of the air. Thirdly, he is called the God of this age, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, which means that the devil is influencing the philosophies, worldviews, and politics. Did you hear what I just said? This is the reason why as Christians, we got we to stop being so naive. Don't be so quick to line yourself up with a political party or platform. I don't care if it's Democrat or Republican or, Republican or, 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 or Independent. 
We have got to let the truth of God's word and righteousness and a righteous lens and godliness help us to determine these things. The subtleties of worldviews, the subtleties of philosophies, there's demonic activity behind that. And the devil's called the, he, he, he is called the, 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 the ruler of this age, the God of this age. Fourthly, he's called the ruler of demons. We've already alluded to that in Matthew 12, 24. He leads demonic forces. They all report to him. And he is strategic. They do his bidding. They do what he wants them to do. He is called the angel of light. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. He disguises himself as truth. This is the reason why, and I know you, you guys probably think I am, I'm just over the top on this, but this is the reason why I keep pounding and table, the table and weeping here at our church. Listen to me. I, I'm just so sick and tired of a number of Christians who are getting pulled into error and all kinds of cults and, and little, little crazy emphasis and this kind of thing because we're too lazy to study the Word of God for ourselves and to read it. We follow charismatic people who give us a little bit of the truth. They say some of the stuff that we like. It sounds close to the truth. And before you know it, we wake up in error. And that's what the devil does. The devil's not going to come to us with categorically opposite things. He's going to come to us with stuff that is so close, but it's off. And he disguises himself that way. That's the reason why all of us need to be very careful, including yours truly, of riding my, my favorite doctrinal hobby horse. Because sometimes when you ride that hobby horse, you take it out of balanced context with other truths. Before you know it, you've lifted it far above what it really needs to be lifted, and you set yourself up for error. And that's what the devil wants. He's true. Number six, he's called the serpent of old. Serpent of old, uh, uh, Revelation 12, 9, uh, meaning he's been working evil since the beginning of human history. He's been at this thing a long time. Before you were born, before I was born, and if the Lord doesn't come back, long after we die. He is, he is, the, he is, the, he is the ultimate authority on evil. Number seven, he's called the great dragon, Revelation chapter 12, verses three through nine, meaning that he is fierce, and destructive. You better be very careful when you make this statement. Satan, I come up against you. You better be very careful when you make that statement. You better know what you're saying. If you're not filled with the Spirit of God, don't, don't broker an authority that you don't have. Yes, you're going to hear me say some things in a few moments. We have power over him. We're in Christ. But you, you, you need to understand that we're dealing with a fierce, destructive foe. The names say that he's the source and personification of evil. The next nine names say, say or that, that he's the aggressive opponent of righteousness. And there's some overlap here. Number eight, he's called, for example, Satan. Uh, that means adversary. He is our adversary. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 means that it's his job to oppose us. 
to, you know, to, to not only give us, to not only press in and resist what we want to do, but to, to attack us, to intimidate us, to make us afraid. That's part of his adversarial role. And some of us, we, we give up too soon. We say, oh, it's not working, it's not working, it's hard, it's not working, the Lord must not be in it. Are you sure? The Lord may be all over that thing, and just because you get some opposition doesn't mean that the Lord's not in it. It couldn't mean that the Lord is definitely in the middle of it. He is our adversary. Number, uh, number nine, he's called the devil. That, that's Revelation 12, 9, meaning slanderer. It is the job of Satan to destroy reputations. That's what he wants to do. And I want to say a word about this here, uh, application only here. For those of us who struggle with gossip and we like to pass on information or we feel like we need to know stuff and we pass on things, this kind of thing, I gotta tell you, I tell you, we're playing into the devil's hand and we're being a tool of the enemy. And the modern vehicle of gossip is the internet. Let me get more specific. I, I'm burdened by this because I've got friends of mine in the ministries whose lives and ministries have been destroyed by people who have passed on information that is unfounded. They thought because they read it on the internet or that somebody posted it on Facebook or, or somebody wrote a blog about it that it is of necessity true. And you, we go hit the send button and let, that kind of thing. We become tools in the hands of the devil. And that's one of his basic strategies is the slander. And just because some dude, this is adult Dr. Denton's, gets up on early in the morning sipping his coffee and cracking his knuckles saying, I've got a discernment ministry and let me see who I think I disagree with and kind of like blast them with my blog. And I make application this way because I actually think that this is one of the chief ways in which he gets involved in churches. I have nothing specific in mind, so I'm not preaching at anybody. Not at all. But I've been around this thing for quite a while, and I've kind of seen this thing show its ugly head. And the devil is a slander. Think twice before you pass on information, please. Think twice before you hit the send button. Think, think twice before you post stuff on Facebook. Is this really true? Do you know that's a fact? He's a slander. Number 10, he's called the evil one. John 17, 15. Number 11, he's called the destroyer. Revelation 9, 11. Number 12, he's called the tempter. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5, by tempter. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's true that uh, the temptation, when I, you know, James says that we're tempted when we're drawn away from our own lusts, saying own the responsibility, that ain't a demon. That ain't a demon. That's your lust. But Satan sets the lure. That's his job. And he is brilliant at setting us up. He really is. And he is the tempter. He's the accuser, Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. He specializes in conjuring up false guilt. You ever, you ever, I've, I've been here. Have you, have you ever had this feeling where you say, I'm, I'm feeling guilty about something. I'm feeling guilty about something. And you sit down, you pray, you try to think through, well, what did I do wrong? What did I do? And you can't, you, can't, you can't put your finger on it. If you can't put your finger on something specific that you did wrong, it's from the devil. The devil deals in vagueness. The Holy Spirit does not have a speech impediment. He deals in clarity and specificity. 
He will put his finger on, yeah, this is the reason why you feel guilty. Your attitude toward Karen was bad. <laughs> Want me to give you chapter and verse? No, I got it, Lord. All right, so that's how he deals. But he's the accuser of the brethren. And number 14, he's the deceiver. Revelation 12, 9, leading us astray. John 8, 44, he's called a murderer. The destroyer of lives, uh, uh, literally murdering who we are in terms of our reputation, murdering who we are in terms of our influence, but, but literally prematurely taking our lives away. The thief comes not but to kill and steal and destroy. And then finally, he's called, Jesus calls him a liar and the father of lies. That's John 8, 44. Wherever there is lying, there's the activity of the wicked one. He's a liar. He's the father of lies, meaning that not, not, that's not figurative. The devil is the source of lying. Deception is right up there with pride. And that's his job. All right, turning toward home here. So, how should we think about these things? How should we view Satan? How should we view evil activity? Well, let me give you, let me give you four thoughts to keep in mind. And I want to press into these things. Four thoughts to keep in mind. And a lot of this has come out of my, my reading in this area, my, my own walk with the Lord, my, my study of scriptures through the years, and in terms of how, how do we keep this stuff where it needs to be. The first thing I want you to know is this. If you are in Christ, you need not fear what Satan or his demons can do to you. You're in Christ. You're covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus. Christ is in you, our victorious king. And we need not be fearful. Nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the New Testament are we instructed to fear the devil. In fact, we're told to face him and fight him courageously. We're not told to be fearful. You don't need to be fearful. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to have this idea, well, you know, the, well, these, these forces are inside of me. No, they're not inside of you, not, not if you're in Jesus. They're not in you. Now, if they're in you, you're not in Jesus. So we need not fear. We need not fear what Satan or his demons can do to us. The second thing we need to keep in mind is that Satan has power, but he is limited in what he can do. He can perform miracles. He can do all kinds of crazy stuff. You read throughout the scriptures about demonic. Yes, yes, yes. He has power. But listen, listen, he is not all-powerful. He, he, his power is limited. Let me, let me put it this way. One of, the, one of the misnomers that we have about the devil, and we talk about demonic activity, people want to give the devil the attributes of God. Satan does not have the attributes of God. He is a created being. He's not one of the trinity. Highest of all the angels, but he's not one of the trinity. What do you mean, Crawford? Meaning that he's not omnipotent. He has power, but he's not all-powerful. He is not omnipresent. Meaning, meaning he's smart, and he can travel, and he can get to place to place, but he's not everywhere at the same time. He is not omniscient. What do you mean by that? All knowledge. He has knowledge. He is smart, but he, he, he's, the, the devil doesn't know your future. He's better at scenarios than we are. He's a student of who we are, but Satan does not know your future. Satan does not know my future. He does not have all knowledge. 
And I think we need to stop empowering him with that stuff. And thirdly, which is related to the second one, we need to keep in mind that ultimate power is securely in the hands of our sovereign God. And I put it that way on purpose. His power is not fragile. God holds on to ultimate power. And we're safe in him. We're under the shadow of the Almighty. Number four is this. The Lord uses Satan to further the cause of his kingdom. This is the irony of all this. I didn't say that the Lord is the author of evil. Don't misquote me on this. All right? I didn't say that. I said that the Lord uses Satan to accomplish his purposes. The devil cannot do anything to you that God doesn't give him permission to do. I didn't say that God sent him to do. Job, in all of his troubles, came to God, reported to God. God says, have you considered my servant Job? God didn't send the evil, but he said in so many words, I'll, I'll, I'll allow you to attack him, but I'm going to prove my glory, and I'm going to use your attack to bless him in a double way. God does that. And this has changed how I view all of these things. What I've learned a long time ago, that when you're under attack, you're in the midst of all of that, do not empower the situation. The very first thing you have to do is that, God, you are in charge. You know what's going on. And because you know what's going on, and, the, and you're going to get glory out of this situation, help me to respond the way you want me to respond under this attack that I'm experiencing right now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. I've learned something. For every attack of the wicked one, God has a counterattack. For every last one of them. But you got to understand that he's in charge even when things look like they're going down the toilet. But God is on his throne. And he's able. And he will carry us. And he will see us through. You see, the battles and the victories are won on our knees. They're won through prayer. The way you win spiritual warfare, the way you win it is through this book and on your knees. That's how you win it. That's how you win it. You're not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to come into your heart and life. Right now is your time. All you have to do is say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I turn from my sin, and I trust you as my Savior and Lord. Crawford Loretz, our speaker here on Living a Legacy. That was quite a list of names for Satan, and more importantly, some key thoughts about what he cannot do. We've just begun a new series called Unmasking Satan, and today's message was titled Understanding Our Enemy. Now, if you joined us partway in today's message, you can hear all of it on our website. We stream Crawford's messages there, or if you'd like to have the entire series for a helpful study down the road, download it for free through the link on our website. Here's how to get in touch with us. Go to livingalegacy.org, livingalegacy.org. Please take a few moments to let us know you listen. Look for the Contact Us link on the website. For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Thanks for listening. 
This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.